I'm Danielle. I use she or they pronouns, and you can find me on the internet at RedtailTalk90. And my co-host is Jade. Hello, I'm Jade. You can find me on the internet at jade.swadrose, and I use they, them pronouns. We'll be making our way through the books, one book at a time, analyzing the themes and how they stand up to time, and sharing the experience with our friends on Discord, the link to which you can find in the show notes. Today, we have a guest. Welcome back, Emily. Hi, my name is Emily. I use they, they, she pronouns. Uh, You can find me online at Emily9363. We are talking about book 50, The Ultimate, today. Uh, we are, we are really in it, friends. Mm, <laughs> in case, we sure are. In, mm-hmm. uh, in case you weren't sure, what with, uh, the Animorphs evacuating all of their parents last book, uh, we're, we're really in it. Uh, <laughs> um, this book was ghostwritten by Kimberly Morris, who also did 38, The Arrival, and 48, The Return, uh, and will do 52, The Sacrifice. Um, it, 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 we'll get to the writing in a minute. Uh, some book-specific content warnings before we dive in, uh, include ableism, magical curing of disability, active recruitment of child soldiers, by children, but still, uh, attempted fratricide, emotional manipulation, and strangulation. Uh, so, you know, just normal, normal Animorphs things. Uh... Um, this book uh, is so much. Yeah, um, yeah. What uh, Emily and I were chatting a little before we went live, and this is a book that for me has some real high highs and low lows, which mm. I'm noticing is a lot with Kimberly Morris as a writer. Mm-hmm. Like there are elements, her grasp of characterization, I think, is genuinely incredible. Like her character work. Hmm. Um, while I'm not saying it hits 100% of the time, there are definitely moments where I'm like, mm, would they do that though? <laughs> Generally speaking, I think she has a very good handle on character. Like, if I was reading some Animorphs fanfic written by Kimberly Morris, the characterization would not be my faults with it, you know? Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm, she right. clearly understands these characters, cares about these characters as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and isn't afraid to have the characters do unlikable things, right? Um, whether or not that's always successful uh, is definitely up for debate. But uh, leaving aside, and I appreciate we're going to get really back to the sub. We're going to be spending a lot of time talking about the subject matter. I promise. Mm-hmm. But keeping that just sort of slightly off to one side as i was saying to emily before we started for me this is some of the strongest writing of cassie we have seen in a long time Mm -hmm. she is so interesting in this book Mm -hmm. yeah and i love her in this book yeah because she is fucked up in her own way and is making choices and taking actions Mm -hmm that feel like a very organic part of the trajectory she's been on Mm -hmm. in a way Mm -hmm. I find incredibly compelling. Yeah. Uh, 
What about uh, you, Emily? Uh, bird's eye view thoughts on the book? Um, it was definitely better than 40. <laughs> I mean, the bar was low. <laughs> it was it was definitely in the floor, so uh, not very hard. But uh, I agree, it was definitely better. Uh, we we discussed the kangaroo book, um, <laughs> so definitely better for Cassie overall. I did mm-hmm. feel like some of the moments where we can go more in depth about it. I felt like some of the moments where uh, we see Cassie reflecting on disability were a lot more about pity than empathy. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm. And I felt like that really was like, ooh, I think that was more the writer Mm -hmm. uh, kind of projecting than like actual Cassie. Mm-hmm. And so I felt like that was doing Cassie a little dirty, but it was definitely some strong Cassie writing and a lot better than anything we've seen in a while. Mm-hmm. I agree with Jade. Mm-hmm. It it definitely feels like a sl- um a misstep writing wise rather than intentional characterization, right? Mm-hmm. Because one Cassie we know has shown empathy with pretty much everybody. Um, but she does have her blind spots and there is an interesting, I suppose interesting, discussion that could we have about certain people are better at empathizing with animals than they are with other people. Mm-hmm. Points to a section of the uh, white vegan uh, activist mm-hmm. yeah. lot. Um, and because Cassie is used to working with people who are in, working with animals who are injured mm-hmm. and tends to have a lot of her framing like that. Yeah. I can see how, because she's been taught by her parents, and we see some of it, like we see a touch of it with her parents in this mm-hmm. book too. Shout out getting some good characterization from Cassie's folks in this book. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm in love with the portrayal of the parents in this book, frankly. Um, but we see a little bit of that same kind of attitude from her parents, which is a very, I suppose, paternalistic, very just like, we need to look after them mm-hmm. attitude. And the unspoken, because they can't do it for themselves or because yes. we know better how to do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, the it doesn't say that, but I can see how somebody raised with very empathetic parents who care about animals and that is sort of their focus and to be fair it's also a very liberal attitude which is like Mm -hmm. oh it it really sucks to be disabled you're so brave oh yeah we've we've talked about like the whole inspiration porn business of disabled character and i really like that we get to hear actively from disabled characters in this book like Mm -hmm. they have a clear voice and it's like different voices it's Mm, not like pinning everything on one person Mm -hmm. but and this is something we've seen time and time again with the writing of animorphs i'm not i don't want to ascribe this to the characters is that unfortunate stain of late 90s early 2000s white liberal politics Mm -hmm. yes The fact that there is actually a line in this book 
And I know that Jake is going through it right now where he says disabled or handicapped or whatever it is we're supposed to call them. And I'm uh, there just like, I'm sorry, what did I just read? Because yeah. that sort of whatever uh, language, I mm-hmm. hear that sort of rhetoric a lot. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I have a very, I once you hit, especially again, white, less liberal than this, but centrist or maybe slightly more like, Right, just like oh, all these terms, I just can't keep up. Why can't they just be normal? The same bullshit. And hearing that from Jake, I think, was a real is such an indicator of where his head is at. Because Bla- Jake is on mercy in this book. This this kid is going through it. Yeah, Jake is fucking. Oh boy! At the end of his rope. Mm hmm. Uh, in a very real way. Um, yeah, the rope is... Fr- you're not just at the end of it. The rope is fraying. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting that we're going to... We'll talk more about them. Like, the fact that they named the the leader of the auxiliaries, uh, mm-hmm. as to, to steal a term I saw Danielle use in the notes, um, is called James when it's such a close name to Jake. Yes. Mm-hmm. And Cassie being like, oh, James is such a good leader. It's just like, yeah, so was Jake at the start. Mm-hmm. Um, parallels, I get it. Um, this is why you need backup, because they've been fighting so long with just mm-hmm. this small group. And for all my big yikes about uh, the situation, like, seeing them finally have help. Yeah. It's just like, you want to just cheer for them. Mm-hmm. Because fucking finally, the fact that there is backup to go and get. Yeah. It's interesting as we go in, and we should probably get into the meat of the book, but as Jake is struggling, we see the rippling out mm-hmm. and how it's affecting everybody mm-hmm. uh, in these first couple of chapters. Um Yep. And Cassie is taking it sort of on herself to try and pick up the slack. Mm-hmm. Um, because, of course, she does. Because she considers Jake her responsibility. She wouldn't phrase it like that. That's my mm-hmm. take, reading the books on and seeing her perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, she charged herself with being his tether. Mm-hmm. And as he is pulling away, that tether's getting real tight. Mm-hmm. And yep. the strain is wearing on everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, points at my... The kids have very specific roles, and when they act out of those roles, the group falls apart thesis. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yes, we've been... Li- yes, the podcast y'all have been listening to. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the over a hundred or so hours of me banging my drum. Um, the, the choice to have them... St- one would get a good sort of in media res little bit fake out opening mm-hmm. um it's like oh no it's a battle uh it's not it's um they describe it a little bit as war games mm-hmm. which i i get it like i understand that context um but this is drills is what yeah. it is this is practicing what it's like if the if invaders come to the to the to the refugee camp and they are mm-hmm. freely calling it a refugee camp at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but they have uh, a, a 
system they've set up, which is uh, they've got like little tunnels built in, like pipe work laid uh, for the kids to go roaches. Like there's some really smart planning being mm-hmm. done here for if shock troops arrive, what they do, what everyone's roles are. Mm-hmm. And it's a good plan that is not working as well as it should do. Mm-hmm. Which is made very clear very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so we're we're in Cassie's head as she reacts to this drill. Um, she's supposed to morph Roach, uh, but she can't. Um, and we we even get her uh, kind of pointing out, like, I'm supposed to be the one who's good at morphing, but here, uh, when it matters, like, I'm choking. I can't get the image of my parents out of my mind, um, how, like, disappointed they look, <laughs> um, and, like, not knowing if they're safe or not. Uh, it's really hampering her ability to react in a way that we have seen her do before um and this is this is in a lot of ways a a microcosm of the the greater problem that comes with bailing their parents out right of having to inform their parents of what they've been doing um because the the animorphs have not had to uh deal with their parents really like they've they've been lying to them they've been going behind their backs they've been uh doing all sorts of uh kind of duplicitous things in order to keep their parents out of it um and as you might expect as soon as the parents are in it uh they have a lot of opinions about what their literal actual children have been doing um uh also, and uh interesting and compelling extension of Cassie's whole thing being the more she thinks about stuff the harder it mm-hmm. becomes for mm-hmm. her to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I love that we get a parallel to this scene morphing later with the auxiliaries that mm-hmm. is like mm, yes delicious food. Mm-hmm. Um but We've seen time and time again that when Cassie gets into her own head, it's a real struggle for her to get back out of it. Yes. So seeing this affect the thing she is so good at mm-hmm. uh, makes it really clear just how much having the parents there is fucking her up mm-hmm. without saying as such. Yeah. And we can imagine how much it's fucking everybody else up. We haven't had an opportunity to see into their heads yet, but... Uh, I mean, we're going to see Rachel versus Naomi in a yeah. bit, and it's uh, uh-huh. so much. Um, but so she eventually morphs, morphs moo. She eventually morphs Roach, uh, and makes it out of the the camp. The plan is like they all morph Roach, regroup outside of the camp, um, and then go battle morphs or whatever, and head into fight. Um. And she doesn't do it right. You know, she she's taken forever to get here. And then as soon as she's out, she demorphs when, you know, she's supposed to wait for the all clear to demorph. Um, and Jake is fucking laying into her a bit. Um, uh, hey, you know how we've talked before about who Jake feels safe getting angry at? Mm-hmm. 
and how that's kind of breaking down a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Just, mm. just, just an observation. Mm-hmm. Not just yelling at Rachel anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Jake is uh, not very kind to Cassie in this book. Um, and some of it, uh, you can definitely understand why he's acting the way he is, but he's a jerk. Um, uh, so we get the reveal that it's all a, a drill. Um, Jake gives Cassie some more shit about, like, why was she doing the things that she was doing? And she just kind of like, yeah, sorry, I fucked up. Um, and we get this this uh, revelation that they have been trying this drill for a while and people still aren't doing it right. Um, I, I imagine that by people, um, they, they mean the humans, because I can't imagine that the Hork-Bajir are having too much trouble with this. Uh, I definitely have a very soft spot for them, but I feel like they are maybe a little more prepared uh, to treat this as a very important military drill than uh, some humans who were only just informed that the war exists. Um, we get the standard kind of background of what's going on, um, how they got the morphing power. Um, we get this detail now a hundred or more battles later. Uh, because none of us will ever really be kids again. I'm not sure exactly what we are. In the eyes of the innocent world, we're still children, but in our own eyes... We'd won some of those battles, lost others. At least we've come out alive. But the war rages on. Uh, and I'm, uh, I have this really weird, like, blind spot whenever it comes to talk about, um, like, battles or war or anything like that. You know, like, when they talk about, uh, these really decorated snipers or, like, pilots or whatever, and they're like, oh, yes, they have, like, 30 confirmed kills or something like that. And I'm like, it doesn't seem like very much. <laughs> because I don't <laughs> internalize the fact that that's, like, literally 30 people. <laughs> um, and and I could feel myself having that reaction here, like, huh, a hundred is way less than I would think. Uh, but it only takes one to to like really traumatize a person, right? Um, I think it's like because numbers in the abstract, mm-hmm. uh, it it it's like how they say when they name people, like, oh, well, a hundred people died in this tragic mm-hmm. accident. Just like, oh, okay, well, that's a lot of people. Bummer. And just like this family of four. Mm-hmm. lost everything mm-hmm. and then it's just like oh now it's i think it's a safety mechanism in the human brain mm. um, to sort of conceptualize it because when it's a number on paper it, it isn't it doesn't feel a lot mm-hmm. like okay we're on book 50 100 battles to a book seems about right math math <laughs> checks out mm-hmm. without thinking oh wait no Every one of these battles has been so bad. Oh, wait. Oh, mm-hmm. wait. And, like, you keep following the thread down. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it only takes one com- thing to completely change everything. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, we see with the auxiliary- auxiliaries later. Uh, but it's just, like, 
it, it's just this weird thing that I've always noticed about myself whenever I have to I have to stop myself when I'm writing shit because I want to like drastically inflate the numbers to make them feel more like real when that's the it's, opposite it, of what I should be doing. You have the Austin Walker problem like when it comes to describing <laughs> time and just it's okay. <laughs> we love you anyway. <laughs> Uh. <laughs> numbers are weird like that numbers are so weird uh. but yeah so so they they kind of break um the end of this drill kind of comes about like toby's like all right so we'll do you know this this and this to make things a little better uh for for the drills and jake is just kind of like yeah cool sure whatever um, and he, he kind of just accepts it and doesn't really ask any questions. Um, and this, uh, is another indication for Cassie that Jake is really kind of falling apart. He's not, he's not reacting in the way he would have. Like previously he would have been asking a bunch of questions and, really drilling down to the specifics with Toby and like breaking down, okay, where exactly is everybody falling apart? What do we need to change? Uh, and he's not doing that. He's just kind of like accepting it. Like, all right, well, that didn't work out next time, I guess. Um, and uh, Cassie explains how his parents didn't get out on time and how since then, uh, Jake hasn't been the same. Uh, he blames himself for it, um, and he's just kind of going through the motions. He's lost the spark, lost whatever it was that kept him going. Uh, and she specifies that kept us going, because if Jake falls apart, everybody falls apart. <laughs> um, That's something we see a few times, like Cassie mm -hmm. making that connection. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, there's a moment that comes up in a couple chapters that fucking ruins me. Yeah, because Jake is the the center. They're all built around him, and if the center falls, yeah. Um, uh -huh. As we get the roundup, uh, sort of the introducing, we get some distressing insights onto everybody, mm -hmm. um, as Cassie so often does. Um, and we're about to have a conversation between uh, Cassie and her mum, but something I wanted to bring up here before we get too deep in the weeds and I derail a more important conversation later um, is how all the parents are discussed by name now mm -hmm. and it just got me thinking about how it's a sign of the kids growing older uh, and about things getting real and about how their parents are people now not just this concept that we have of our parents as children mm-hmm um, and it just really struck me reading it because mm -hmm. something, uh, as we recorded earlier episodes, Danielle was already already dropping the names of the parents, and I'm like, well, I assume that comes up later because they know their names. <laughs> I don't fucking know who these people are, but it was always Cassie's mom and dad, Jake's mom and dad, Marco's mm -hmm. dad, Rachel's mom, and now. It's Jean and Steve. It's Eva and Peter. Mm. It's Naomi. Mm -hmm. They're yep. in it. And I just, 
it's just, it's a small thing. This is just amusing me because I'm currently <laughs> Daniela and I are currently like batting this bit of writing back and forth and going and the use of names mm-hmm. and how somebody becomes much more present in the narrative when they have a name. Mm-hmm. And it's just a really cool device narratively and from a writer perspective that conveys, I think, so much about where the kids' heads are at. Yeah. And how the stakes have changed mm-hmm. just by having them referred to by their names. Yep. Yeah. And it, it really does tell you a lot about the the shift in perspective and the the shift in how they view their parents and I mean, everything that Jay just said. I don't I don't want to repeat everything you just said, but uh, one thing I do want to point out is I think it also represents a uh, uh, a breakdown almost of, like, respect. Mm, yeah, yeah I, was, it was, I thought that just occurred to me was because we nev- they don't have surnames in the books, mm-hmm. I assume that's why it's never been Mrs. Blah, 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 and Mrs. Right. or Mr. Um but even if we did have the last names, I feel like we'd be getting the first names here because mm-hmm. it is also about, like, they don't respect us as soldiers. They're yep. also just refugees here. Yeah. I'm going to call them by their first name. Yeah. Part of this is also um, some American sensibilities. Mm-hmm. Or, I know it's not strictly a, a, a USA-wide thing. I remember seeing a poll recently about, like, as a kid, how did you address your friend's parents? Mm-hmm. And I'm there just like, as soon as I was told to use their name, I used their name. Right. Nah, it's weird. That's what... <laughs> but there you go. Like, the first time I went to my friend Catherine's house, I was like mm, 11 years old. Um, and I, I was like, hi, Catherine's mom and dad. And she's just like, don't do that. I'm, I'm Bob. Call me Bob. Mm-hmm. And I, and she's just like, okay. And then from then on, I did. Because I was told to. I was told to. Because I grew up around adults who I called by their first name, my parents' friends. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that was. I grew up in Calcutt, like around punks and hippies as well, which mm-hmm, is also mm-hmm. part of it. But aside from teachers, who are Mr. and Mrs. XYZ, but the whole like calling adults sir and ma'am, mm-hmm. nope, don't do that here. That's such an American thing. See, I never see Florida's in this weird space because uh it is technically it's Florida. It's it's Florida. It's specifically South Florida. South Florida is not the South. You have to no. get to like Orlando and further north for it to before you enter the South. Uh South Florida is its own thing. It's so it's got like this weird mix of like southern and northern customs. So like I never used sir or ma'am. But the concept of calling a friend's parents by their first names is mind-boggling. Uh, like, I feel like... Like, the instinct, even now, if I met a friend's parents, would be to call them Mr. and Mrs. What's... You know, whatever the fuck. Uh, because... Uh. <laughs> yeah. Alabama is sort of similar, although I think I would put, like, Mr. or Miss in front of the first name if they asked me to call them the first name. Yeah. Um, It would Mm -hmm. just depend on how close the family was. 
Yeah. <laughs> I love that so much. Oh mm-hmm. my god. It, yeah. it would just depend on how close the family was to our family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. That totally makes sense. Like, I'm not sat here going, I think that's really bizarre thing mm-hmm. for a, a kids to be taught. I, I'm just struck by that. But again, I'm, mm-hmm. I also grew up working class. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting to me. Like, uh, this is a part of why I love having American friends and friends in different parts of the world where we can just, like, places that are so similar, mm-hmm. you get these, like, such intriguing differences. Yeah. Um, and all this has just sprung out of this little element of this book <laughs> that because we saw it a little bit in the past couple of books yeah but it was different when it was like Marco's parents calling each other by their names mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. and like I we don't necessarily see it but Jake addressing his aunt as Aunt Naomi mm-hmm. I don't think I I stopped I dropped the aunt and uncle before my aunt and uncle's names I think as a teenager um, I'm still struggling then, with that <laughs> Oh, I, uh-huh. I still do that. <laughs> I will be clear. My nan and granddad are still nan and granddad. That mm-hmm. would be fucking weird. <laughs> That's the only instance where I would find yeah, it no. weird. <laughs> um, it's grandparents. You don't right. do unless they like unless you have the sort of relationship. Like, if my mum turned around one day and said, "I want you to call me Sally now," I'd be like, "Fuck off!" <laughs> no, <laughs> not happening, lady. <laughs> <laughs> can't do it um yeah. but different families different mm-hmm, relationships mm-hmm. and i just love this just such a small shift speaks so loudly mm-hmm. to the change in dynamics and the situation the children are in mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's good uh, writing yeah it sure is. Uh, it's heartbreaking. Um, <clears throat> so the Animorphs kind of bicker. Rachel is uh, upset. She's not like wildly off the handle like she is when she's written poorly. Um, she's just, you know, aggro and being like, we need to be doing something. Why are we just sitting on our hands? Uh, and Jake being like, if I knew what to do, I would do it. Uh, Marco playing like referee between them uh, and uh, Marco basically is like look uh, we just need some more practice let's call it a day today and just take a break Um, Rachel's like you're just gonna let Marco walk away like that and Jake like he looks like he might say something at a moment for a moment and then he's just like you know what nah I don't have the energy for this shit and just leaves. Jake is so burnt out. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and uh, <laughs> Cassie, Rachel turns to Cassie and starts ranting and Cassie just tunes her out. Um, like I've and, been there, but class call. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, Cassie hears her mom, like, arguing with some hork And she's like, uh, sorry, Rachel, I gotta go do this thing. Um, her mom is, uh, well, Cassie gives her mom shit, like, hey, we were supposed to be, like, doing a drill 
the fuck are you doing? Like, why, why this? Why this? Um, and her mom is like, Cassie, we have to do something. Uh, and Cassie's immediately like on alert, like, what, what's the matter? What do we do? What do we have to do? And her mom is like, ah, yes, you see this building that is a bunker that is literally where we will put people, um, who can't fight if we need to hide from the literal people who are trying to kill us. Uh, it's too small. Um, and animals need at least like 40 square feet or whatever the fuck of, of space per person, like per, per animal. And Cassie's like, mom, they're people. Uh, and, and her mom is just like, Hmm. Cassie, Cassie's like, look, it's it's fine. They're not humans, but they're not animals. They understand if they need to be crowded together for a little bit for their own goddamn safety. Um, and her mom is like, I understand that, although I'm not sure I agree. And it's like, fuck off, fuck all the way off. Uh, these people have been through more than you can possibly imagine. Fuck off. Uh. It's also one of the big things here is how, because uh, we've seen it, to be fair, with other characters pushing back, uh, other parents mm -hmm. specifically, I should say, uh, pushing back. And this is something that I cannot speak to personal experience, but Cassie's parents when they feel she is disrespecting them, mm -hmm. uh, that it's, it feels like a thing here, but uh, given the way I've seen uh, some uh, black folks talk about, like the societal pressures um, that are unique to being a black person growing up in America specifically, uh, and the relationships with their mm -hmm. parents. This is kind of like what we were just talking about, society, like respect for your elders mm -hmm. and how different communities have different weight and they're just like do you think Cassie has ever spoken back to her parents in her life <laughs> as they're not probably there's probably not necessarily been the need to really yeah. yeah because of we've seen how compassionate and understanding they are as people yeah but you gotta wonder if this is the first time they're even hearing her swear in front of them even if i'm like god damn isn't swearing i would have gotten so much trouble in an american <laughs> fucking school because i uh, was using many a language that some people may deem inappropriate mm -hmm. um but you feel that sort of like shock and mm -hmm. from her parents and Cassie immediately kind of like internalizes the shame of it. Mm -hmm. And it just adds to all of the stuff she's dealing with. Mm -hmm. Like Cassie, we've talked about it before, like there is so much self-loathing of different flavors with all of these kids. Um, and you can see that Cassie considers her parents to be a, like the ideal moral example. Mm-hmm she compares herself to them throughout this book and it's like it's like watching in real time one the how she's failing at the moral structure she's grown up with but also looking at her parents again but that's not enough mm -hmm. i can't mm -hmm. operate like that anymore mm -hmm. and that 
distress she is having at knowing her moral framework won't support her anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she she is angry at her mom for mm. because her mom kind of almost refuses to face the truth that things are different. The, the same rules don't necessarily work here. Um, which is a lesson that Cassie has had to learn the hard way this whole time. Um, and like her, her mom is like, you know, if these hork spend any prolonged time in those con- conditions, they could die. And Cassie's like, mom, yeah, the hork could die. All of us could die any day. At any time. I don't get your point. Like, and her mom's like, how can you say that? We're talking about lives. And Cassie is like, this this is literally a war. Do you not understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Some of us are going to die. That's a fact. Like, it doesn't matter how we die. Because we're just as dead. Regardless, like, building a nice shelter isn't going to do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and be, as a parent, something so beyond horrifying and upsetting about your child looking at you and going, yeah, people are going to die. Mm-hmm. You know that, right? And have has accepted that truth. Yes. Like... If my niece did that for me, she is my, she's 13 years old and she is my go-to example. Like, if she turned around to me and be like, yeah, Jade, she's going to go down and people are going to fucking die. I'm like, why did you do that? I don't want you to be telling me that. <laughs> why have you confronted mortality at 13? <laughs> yeah. You weren't supposed to do this. Mm-hmm. But again, you it's this underscoring of the parents having the truth. Mm-hmm. Not ripped away from like the comfort comforting lies mm-hmm. or they they were kept in the dark for a reason. Mm-hmm. The kids were smart to do so, frankly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because it's moments like this that we see why it's like it's so much harder to do the horrible thing when you know your parents are looking at you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like doing anything is harder when you know somebody's watching you do it. Mm-hmm. Um, like the whole red light syndrome and all that, but like it's like knowing you're doing the worst things you may ever have to do, and the people who raised you from birth see you do it. Mm-hmm. Like, no, I don't want you to see me do this. I want you to still think of me mm-hmm. as I was. Mm-hmm. I don't want you to look at me differently. Yeah, and now you're going to. If you still think of me as I was, then I have a chance of going back to being that person. Mm-hmm. Uh, Childhoods and, go bye-bye. Yeah. We go this, th- Yeah, this is part of why Cassie is so mad at her mom. Uh, it, in her own words, Cassie says, her mom is making her be the grown-up. Is making her, like, lay it out. Like, hi, this is a war, and it's really bad. And I never wanted to have to explain this to you, but for some reason, you just don't fucking get it. 
so I have to lay it out in the worst way possible and also be really disrespectful while I do it, because otherwise you will not listen to me. Why are you putting me in this situation? Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, so she walks away from her mom and goes and finds Marco. Uh, Marco is whittling, which is delightful. Um, and uh, Cassie's like, what are you doing? And he's like, ah, you know, he's goofing. The almost lost art of whittling. Um, and she she remarks that he looks like serene and how this looks different from the Marco she knows. Um, and she's like poking and prodding at him like, you know, there are things to be done. Where are your parents? You could be helping them. Uh, nagging him, basically. And Marco is just, I, I have to think it's not an act, but like he's purposefully playing it up. Um, so I imagine a little bit of a defense mechanism for him. Mm-hmm, like we've seen yeah. time and time again the way Marco uses humor to diffuse situations. Like his parents, he was on a, a mounting a dragon beam on the roof of their cabin. Mm-hmm. I would want to maybe focus on weddling. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Like uh. it's a moment of escapism. For him, and he he knows as well as any does. Like Cassie's bringing reality back to him, and he knew the whole time. Yeah, he wasn't in denial, and I can see how to Cassie it reads as serene. Mm-hmm. And all I can think of is that whole thing about like ducks swimming. Like on the surface, they look perfectly relaxed, and under mm-hmm. the water, it's just legs are going a mile a minute. <laughs> uh-huh, but it's uh-huh, that uh-huh. feeling. Yeah, to me. Uh, absolutely. Um, but, you know, he's like, all work and no play, makes Marco a dull boy, blah, 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 blah. Um, Cassie's getting more and more impatient with him, and then wondering why she's, like, like, what's wrong with her? Why is she being so impatient? She should feel good that Marco is spending time to, you know, foster his humanity, etc., etc. Um, but... (laughs) She she comes to the conclusion, clearly he's in denial because he's acting like my parents, like nothing is wrong. And it's like, hey, Cassie. Uh, you know who Marco is. Uh, but but it, I suppose it's telling that just as Jake is falling apart, Cassie's mm-hmm. empathy is broken a little bit right now. Mm-hmm, she's mm-hmm, not mm-hmm. reading situations as well as she would. Mm-hmm. And yes. Marco isn't calling shit out the way that he would. Yeah. And Rachel is lost a little bit. And it's said expressly in the text, Cassie's like, she's mad because she can't do anything and she's scared. Mm-hmm. And Tobias is very much a non-presence a lot in this book, which is unfortunately common. In, I've found with the Cassie books a lot of the time, though not always. Mm-hmm. But he's connecting with Lauren. Yeah. So he's not the frontline scout soldier. He's not doing his normal thing. Yeah, he's spending a lot of time as a human. Uh, and yeah, absolutely. It's it's they're all drifting. Um, I do like that the fact that 
the thing that snaps Marco out of his little play acting is the fact that he says, I reckon you're right. <laughs> like, <laughs> wait, did I just use the word reckon? No. <laughs> is it in this exchange that there's the thing about her patronizing him or is that later? That's later. Because that caught me real hard. Um, we'll get When we get there, we'll get there. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's later. Oh no, it's Jake says it. Mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. it's it's a very good moment. Yeah. Um Uh so the their kind of little meeting here is broken up by the return of some Horkbajir who are frog marching Naomi back to camp. Because apparently Naomi keeps trying to escape and run back to civilization. Amazing. <laughs> Gaslight can't keep girl toss, am I right? <laughs> uh, and uh, Rachel is extremely angry at her mother for good reason. Um, it is. It is heavily implied that Naomi has done this multiple times before uh, and Rachel has had the same exact reaction every time of like you're going to get us killed what are you doing Uh, and her mom just being like this is outrageous this is a cult uh, or like a paranoid militia movement I need to contact the authorities uh Yada, yada, yada. And Rachel's like, who the fuck are you going to contact? They're all Yerks. It's Yerks all the way down, mom. And like, this isn't, this isn't something that you can just fix on paper by arguing with someone. This is literally a war. We're not being sued. We're worrying about being killed. Um, and <laughs> we get this fucking heartbreaking moment of like, Naomi's mouth trembled. I hoped she wouldn't cry. Watching an adult cry is one of the most unsettling, disturbing things a kid can see. Okay, maybe Rachel's mother had deserved everything Rachel said. Yeah, she'd helped the Horkbajir write a constitution and was teaching some to read, but she'd also caused trouble for the camp with her general bad attitude and her habit of sneaking away. Still, I couldn't- I, I, still, I thought Rachel had gone way over the top. I didn't condone her behavior, but I thought I understood it. Understood what had made Rachel go ballistic on her mom. Like me, Rachel was scared. Uh, Rachel's sisters are, like, uh, gathering around Naomi, being like, I'm scared, I want to go home. And Naomi is just like... (laughs) It it puts the fire back in Naomi. Um, And... She, like, looks at the hork that marched her back to camp, like, don't touch me again. If you ever touch me and touch me or anyone in my family, I'll... And then she realizes she can't threaten them. Um. And, uh, I like this little detail that Cassie sees Marco smirk as he turns away because his are the only parents that have accepted their position. And it's like, no shit they have. <laughs> Marco's mom was, is literally the only person in this camp who knows exactly what the fuck is happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
And Naomi starts to cry. Um, and then, you know, Eva Let's comes say, over. The, I gotta mm-hmm. give a shout out to the brutal chewing out Rachel gives her mm-hmm. mom. Mm-hmm. Like, it's hardcore. Yes. Um, and literally, I think it's Sarah or it crawls into her mom's life just like mommy you're not useless and it's like oh boy <laughs> um and it's just seeing just how much like rachel naomi is mm-hmm. um and a, a rachel who is denied her means of tackling problems mm-hmm. like it's yeah, it's search. And I just yeah, but Eva showing up and Naomi just like, thank fuck a grown up I can talk to. Because um, <laughs> that's what it is. Yeah. Because Naomi's all clear, let's just put Eva in charge. She knows what she's talking about. Plus, she can actually drive. Yeah. Yeah. But, but that bringing home of like, regardless of how much Naomi loves her daughter and understands on an intellectual level much like in the same way cassie's mom was like eh but but we gotta make it a nice place for the for the hawk to be right Uh, otherwise people could die and this is like well i can't let a child tell me what to do i'm the Mm grown-up and it is like it's got to take some serious rewiring to, mm-hmm. It's a, such a shake-up in worldview. Yes. Like to, to show a little empathy to, to the parents um who are trying really hard mm-hmm. to be fair. It's just we've been with the kids this whole time. They're our point of view, so it's not hard for us to accept them as being the most knowledgeable people and knowing what to do. Mm-hmm. It is like as a as a adult, like somebody you have raised since birth, mm-hmm. telling you things. Yeah, like if those of you, I don't know if anyone listening to this has children or maybe like significantly younger relatives, but like just off the top of my head, when I think about my sister, uh, my sister's two years younger than me. She's gonna be thirty five this year. Whenever I look at her, I see her as she is now. She's a mother of a thirteen-year-old. Mm-hmm. Uh, she and her husband have a mortgage. Yada yada. I still see my thirteen-year-old punk-ass sister when I look at her. <laughs> like those things exist simultaneously. Mm-hmm. For me, she will always be that person. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean I don't see the person she is now, but also I just have that other version of her in my head, mm-hmm. and I can only imagine it's the same if you have children like you are the person you are now but you've also all the people you've been before and your parents have seen you grow mm-hmm. so it's gotta be hard mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. add to that the stress of living in the wilderness and uh living leaving behind everything you know yeah and also aliens are real Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just like trauma on top of trauma, they're all trying to deal by falling on back on stuff they know. 
Mm-hmm. Which is why Peter and Eva are having an easier time of it. One, they've mm-hmm. been doing it marginally longer, but Eva, uh, Peter's used to trauma mm-hmm. and earth-shaking events. And his uh, son taking get... care of him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and he now has his wife who he loved back. Uh, and Eva, well, we know. We've read this. <laughs> we read this. <laughs> She's gone through it. Mm-hmm. They have had the time they have the neural pathways baked in we've talked before on the podcast about how trauma literally rewires your brain Mm -hmm. like they've already got some of the learned behaviors they need here Mm -hmm. they've if not danced this exact dance done something similar enough they can at least follow along yeah for the other adults they're struggling Mm-hmm, and you can mm-hmm. see why, as this book goes on, we talked about the auxiliaries, it's clear why the kids don't want to extend it to their parents. Yeah. Because, and it's true, kids are much better at adapting than adults. It's because mm-hmm. you gr- your brain is still developing, it's easier. Mm-hmm. But you're not having to retrain things or forget things. Mm-hmm. You can adapt on the fly. It's why so much of the stuff we liked as teenagers stays baked in. To mm-hmm. hundred, it's why you might be in your thirties making an animals podcast. <laughs> you know, not to call out my co-host or anything. That's um, what I do. But you can see why they'd be so like their parents are struggling to even recognize this is a war, and they have to change it. No wonder the kids don't give the morphing ability to their parents. Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. they're already struggling quite enough. Yeah, let's not add this. Yeah. Also, Naomi being able to turn into a bird is just going to fuck off else. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and then this happens. Can you talk to Rachel? I said quietly to Jake. She explodes at her mom, and it just makes Naomi more determined not to deal with this. Jake's voice was impatient. I've tried to talk to Rachel, and she won't listen. So no, I won't talk to her again. And no, I don't want to talk to you about my feelings. I stood perfectly still, not trusting myself to move. I felt as if I'd been slapped. Jake lowered his eyes, turned, and walked away. I stalked after him. Jake, things are falling apart. He whirled on me. His eyes were dark and wild. For the first time since I'd known and loved Jake, I was afraid of him. Afraid of what he might become. You think I don't know that? I know we're slipping up, making mistakes. I know we're at one another's throats, and I know that if it weren't for Toby, this whole camp would probably just be a scar on the ground by now. What I don't know, Cassie, and this is the hard part, what I don't know is what I'm supposed to do about it. I'd heard the expression, my heart almost broke before. Now I knew what it meant. I put my anger aside and fell into step beside Jake. It's going to take time, I said calmly. These people, our parents, have been dragged into this, into a refugee camp, against their wills. Their world has been torn apart. We have to respect their reluctance to fight alongside us. But Jake, somebody's got to take charge. Fine, you do it. No, I said firmly. I'm not a leader, Jake. You are. You're going to have to talk to my parents, and to Rachel's mothers and sisters, even Tobias's mom. Why should they listen to me, Jake countered. Look at the situation. We're hiding in the forest, living on the charity of the hork If you were an adult, or even another kid, not Cassie, would you listen to me? No, you wouldn't. So why don't you just leave me alone? He looked at me, then turned his head. Please, Cassie. 
Jake quickened his step and left me behind. Stop feeling sorry for yourself, I called after him, desperate. He didn't stop. You're acting like a coward. The moment the words were out of my mouth, I regretted them. Jake stopped, turned. His face was a stranger's. What did you call me? He'd heard me, too late to take back the words. A coward, I repeated, repeated, flinching. Now that it's the final crisis, you're turning chicken on us. I didn't expect his weary laugh. I'm not chicken, he said. I'm just trying to give everybody a fighting chance. I'm not going to insist people do what I say when I don't have the slightest idea what's right or wrong, what's smart or stupid. Cassie, it's my fault we're on the run. You can't deny that. I walked up to Jake, took a deep breath, and tried to sound reasonable, reached for his hand and held it tight. Maybe you're right, Jake. And maybe you're wrong. Maybe you are a good leader, after all. He tried to pull away, but I wouldn't let him go. No, Jake. Listen. If that's the truth, you have to take charge. And if you really are a failure and it really is all your fault, then it's your responsibility to get us out of here. We need you, Jake. Either way, it has to be you. It was a cheap shot. Jake's Achilles heel has always been his sense of responsibility. I could see him weakening. Marco can be in charge, he said helplessly. Again, he pulled his hand away. This time, I let him go. He's smarter than I am. Or Tobias. Or Axe. Or you. Rachel. Anyone. Anyone but me. You know why I was in charge in the first place, Cassie? Because once upon a time, a long time ago, Marco said I was. Jake, that's not the whole truth. Well, now my term of office is over, he continued bitterly. So how about for once you guys figure things out and tell me what to do? Then he turned and walked away, and just kept walking.